Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Nick and Bush coming at you with actually a Black Tuesday. We had some scheduling mishaps. So um, today we're uh, continuing the series that me and Danny started on uh, Thursday. We're going through division by division. And instead of talking about every fantasy relevant player and giving our thoughts on each one, we decided to do some superlatives. So we're going to talk about our top sleepers in the division, our top busts in the division, our top values in the division, a potential league winner in each division, and a bounce back player in each division. So Nick, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good, man. Uh, like you said, there's been some scheduling mishaps. I've definitely been to blame for a couple of them, and that's on me. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do this. I've got my three-year-old running around in the home, and uh, we're just going to see how this goes. For sure. So if there's any <laughs> weird pauses in the videos, it's because in the video, it's because I had to edit shit out. So. Um, exactly. First sleeper. Uh, all right, yeah. So as we go over the AFC South, I kind of – my initial reaction looking at these teams was – I kind of is mixed. Like as the teams go, I'm not that excited about them, but there actually is a lot of players that I really like. That was kind of just my initial gut reaction. Uh, as far as sleepers, Paris Campbell. Last year, I uh, loved Paris Campbell coming into the league. I have him in a couple of dynasty leagues because I saw him go to the Colts. I initially thought, of course, he was going to be paired with Andrew Luck, just like everybody else. Uh, but now this year, I mean, last year he broke his hand early. He had a sports hernia. He missed nine games and after week nine he only played one game so I think moving into this year as T.Y. Hilton ages as a, I mean they bring in kind of the ghost of Philip Rivers but his favorite thing to do is check down I think if Paris Campbell can stay healthy I really really like his upside yeah I was adamantly against Paris Campbell coming out because I was the Terry McLaurin truther and everyone was mm -hmm. like oh Paris Campbell's the better receiver on this team I'm like hey, he's absolutely not the better receiver on this team but either way I still I Campbell is still like a fun like slot receiver gadget guy that they can definitely use in the offense. And I've definitely, he's definitely a popular sleeper amongst the industry. I actually went with the same team uh, for my sleeper. And this, I mean, normally we think of sleepers and we think of guys that can pay off big. Uh, my guy's not necessarily going to pay off big, but he could definitely be, he's definitely being overlooked is my point. So Jack Doyle, uh, Lucas is jumping up and down right now. He saw six targets per game in the five games that Ebron missed last year. And Ebron's now in Pittsburgh, so he's not an issue. And he, uh, it was like a, a two-target increase, basically. And I'm not going to push the, the Philip Rivers loves tight ends narrative because he had fucking Antonio Gates. So I hate that narrative. But it is worth noting that Doyle is, is currently the number two target in the passing offense. I know that could change if Pittman or Campbell break out, but it is possible that they struggle as rookies or I guess Campbell's not a rookie, but he's still a young player. And, um, and Doyle just is the number two off, uh, option in the offense. So Reich's system utilizes the tight end. Well, we saw that with Trey Burton in Philadelphia as the second tight end. He went on to sign a big contract with uh, Chicago and kind of busted out. And now he's back with Frank Reich. But um, I feel like the best way to identify quality tight ends to target in fantasy is to look at the lack of receiving options in the offense. And as well as teams that don't have great pass catching run, uh, pass catching running backs. And you can miss me with all the Naheem Hines fucking sleeper talk. Cause he just sucks. So yep. um, when you look at, when you look at Doyle's situation, it's not sexy, but if you're punting the tight end uh, position, he's basically undrafted. So he probably won't finish as a top three tight end, but I would not be shocked if he's a top eight tight end based on pure volume and kind of perceived lack of upside just keeps his ADP down. Yeah, he's just one of those guys. I mean, even his name is boring. He's unathletic. So he just comes off as like boring Jack Doyle, you know, but they, it's, he's kind of also one of those guys that 
like with Andrew Luck, he was extremely consistent and he, he has the upside to just be like a, a consistent every week, almost starter really. So I like it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so onto the bus, who do you got? Uh, so I have Derrick Henry. I think this might be uh, you know, a shocker to some people or, you know, whatever. I love Derrick Henry. I really do. Like he was one of those people on my dynasty teams that I would hold on to forever. Even when he never produced, I just love him. He's this monster of a man, freak athlete, super fast, super good. Uh, but I'm just concerned about, you know, the Titans in general. You know, if you look at the beginning of the year, like with Mariota, Derrick Henry was pretty crappy. Uh, everything kind of fell into place as they, you know, they shifted the play calling as this year went on, the offensive coordinator got much better with like using pre-snap motion, bringing in the right personnel. AJ Brown, of course, broke out. Tannehill was crushing, but I just, I don't know if a back like Derrick Henry going in the first round is someone that I want to take. That's more, I don't think he's going to suck this year, but just taking him sixth overall or whatever, when he's not going to really catch passes is basically saying like, okay, we need 15 touchdowns. We need another, you know, almost 2000 rushing yards. Like we really, really want to pay off on big upside. So I just don't see any way that uh, I'm taking Derrick Henry in the first round personally. Yeah. He's currently my fifth overall player. So I'm going to, I'm going to adamantly disagree with that. I, I don't care that he doesn't catch, catch passes because I think he's a lock for 1500 rushing yards. I think he's a lock for 10 plus touchdowns. So I, I, I'm just not worried about him whatsoever the only thing I'm really worried about is if team I, and I know this is probably a stupid narrative because he's Derrick Henry and he's like impossible to figure out but if teams figure out the Titans offense that's really the only thing I'm concerned with but I don't really think they can because they knew they know Derrick Henry's getting the ball and they knew that last year in the playoffs and the Ravens one of the best defenses in the league couldn't stop him so um this one I'm very kind of passionate about and T.Y. Hilton, I would not draft T.Y. Hilton if he was a, like a 10th round pick. Like, I don't know how he's going so high. He's hit the injury wall in his early 30s. And to me, I'm always of the mindset that I want to be early predicting these guys downfall than late, which is why I've been off guys like A.J. Green when some people still convince themselves that he has this great upside. T.Y. Hilton's really no different to me. I'll put his injury history on the screen right now. And if you look over the last like, couple years, it's all like soft tissue shit. It's thigh and hamstring pull. Uh, left quad strain, left uh, uh, calf tear, and another calf tear. Like, he's just – his body seems to be breaking down. And in the past, for T.Y. Hilton, it was never an issue. If he had – like, if he was on the injury report, he would always suit up on Sundays even if he didn't practice. Last year, that was not the case. He could not push through. He only played in 10 games last year, and he missed six games, but he failed to play in more than 70% of the offensive snaps in half the games that he did play. So he really was only out there full five games for, like, full strength. And even in the games he did play, he only had three games where he had five-plus catches. So I've said this before. I expect Michael Pittman Jr. to be the, the number one target in this offense before long. I think T.Y. Hilton is definitely on the decline, and I'm not saying he's a terrible player. If he's out there, he's probably still going to be a good player. But I, I think the young guys in this offense are going to eventually take over. Yeah, I don't even know where he's being drafted because my mind just skips over T.Y. Hilton at this point. He's just not someone that I'm interested in. Uh, I'm much more interested in the other pieces like Paris Campbell, even Michael Pittman. I'm not as high as on him as you are, but I, I like him. I love Jonathan Taylor. Even Marlon Mack, I think, is going to have a role. I just don't foresee T.Y. Hilton being a big piece. Uh, so moving into my value pick, I as I look at 
each one of the guys that we picked, we bet definitely went in different directions as far as uh, skill level and player. But my uh, my value is LaVisca Chenault. Uh, I'm not scared of D.D. Westbrook. I'm not scared of Chris Conley. I do love uh, DJ Shark. I love kind of uh, Gardner Minshew. I love their schedule. And uh, someone like LaVisca Chenault is just – his upside is extremely tantalizing to me. I don't know if he's going to be their goal line back. I don't know if he's going to catch passes out of the backfield. I don't know if maybe they'll play him in the slot, maybe play him outside. I think there is so many ways that they could use LaVisca Chenault that his upside is huge. Like if, if Leonard Fournette, who I actually like this year, say he struggles on the goal line again, say they don't want to give him 100 targets or whatever out of the backfield, someone like Chenault could fill that role. Everyone's talking about Chris Thompson. How about LaVisca Chenault? Uh, I think they drafted him to be uh, not only kind of a second wide receiver to DJ Chark, but also to kind of be just like that all around guy. And uh, I love uh, his college profile. So overall, I just, I really like LaVisca Chenault. Yeah. Quickly on Hilton, I actually looked up where he's being drafted. He's going wide receiver 26, which is way too high. He's going ahead of Stephon Diggs and Julian Edelman. Like not a chance I would take him. That's gross. No wonder my mind skips over him. Yeah. And uh, on LaVisca Chenault, I love LaVisca Chenault, man. Like, before his terrible combine and the fact that he was injured, I had ranked ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Like, I, I thought he's, like, I thought he was yeah. an incredible player. My, my hope for him is with Jay Gruden there, he's what we want – he's what we always wanted Jamison Crowder to be, in my opinion, was, like, this just weapon, like, in the slot. I'm hoping they use him in the slot. I, I really hope they don't use him as, like, a running back. Like, I'm sure they'll probably give him some touches like that, but I really hope he's, like, their big slot receiver because I think he's, like, his body type is, like, Debo Samuel-y kind of. So, mm-hmm. I, I really hope he's used in that way. Um, staying on the same team, actually, uh, DJ Chark is my guy. I, I know, you like, value, again, you usually think of late-round guys when you think of values, but I, I think DJ Chark's a value. He's, like, a fifth, sixth-round pick, and I think he's honestly going to be a top-ten receiver. This team is going to be awful. Chark is clearly the number one target on the team, as much as we are excited about Chenault. Uh, the defense will force them to throw at an incredibly high rate. Their, their corners are decimated. C.J. Henderson's a good prospect, but rookie corners tend to, uh, to struggle. Minshew ranked the top, among the top three quarterbacks on deep attempts of 20-plus yards per PFF last year. And D.J. Chark literally has a monopoly on this part of the field. Like, he is the deep target on the team. It's Chris Conley's going to get the odd, probably deep bomb, but, like, it's DJ Chark's job down there, like in that area of the field, which are the highest priority targets a fancy receiver can get. And he had a 33% market share of air yards in the offense, which ranked very highly amongst like number one receivers around the league. And on top of that, this was really the only year that DJ Chark showed us anything. Same goes for Minshew. They're both very young players and they showed an incredible connection. And usually with time, it'll get even better. So I'm just kind of banking on like two young players coming into their primes, like, I think Minshew is going to be the quarterback in Jacksonville in a lot, for a long time. I'm pretty much the only one who believes that. Everyone else thinks they're getting Trevor Lawrence. But I think these guys are going to grow at a great rate, especially for Dynasty. I'd love both of them for Dynasty. I think Chark is going to have like 150 targets this year, just based on the fact that this team is going to throw 600 times. And 150 targets into 600 pass attempts, like that's only a 25% target share. Like he could, he could approach like a 30% target share based on just like the talent around him in the offense. Yeah, I completely agree. I love Shark. I love their schedule as we've been going over the last couple of weeks. Uh, in general, I, just, I think he has huge upside. Uh, I, it was awesome to see him break out, and I think that's going to continue. 
Yep, for sure. Uh, so into the potential league winners, and you definitely took mine here. So you go on on Johnny Smith. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So Johnny Smith, going back to his college profile, was a beast. Uh, super athletic, had a lot of production coming into the league. He was even kind of one of those people. I mean, he's behind Delaney Walker, but he showed a couple flashes rookie year. You know, he's had some battles with injury. Last year, finally, he kind of started to get more opportunity. I mean, he still only had 54 targets, uh, but he caught 76 of those passes, or 76% of those passes, and the quarterback had a 120 rating when they targeted Jonu Smith. Uh, that whole offense was extremely efficient, and I do kind of expect some regression to the mean, though I do think they'll still be pretty good. But Jonu Smith has breakout written all over him. Like, he is going to be a monster. Between him... Blake Jarwin, uh, maybe even Irv Smith. Like, there is a lot of late tight out and tight end guys, but Johnny is by far the number one I think is going to break out. Darren Waller, kind of 2.0. Darren Waller was even cheaper, but Johnny Smith I think is going to break out just like Waller did last year. Yeah, as Hayden Hurst's price gets steeper and steeper, Johnny Smith is the most owned guy that I have in leagues now because mm -hmm. before it was like they were going like around the same area. So I was like, okay, I'll get Hayden Hurst or Johnny Smith or both. But now it's like Hayden Hurst, I have to spend like an eighth round pick to get him. So, and Johnny Smith, for whatever reason, they're like the industry hasn't caught up on him. Like I've heard a couple people mention him, but like I, like his breakout to me is just so obvious. Like I don't know how yep. people aren't like just completely on this guy like they're on Hurst. Like he's my tight end eight right now, Johnny Smith. Like I, I fully expect him to break out. So again, if you didn't take him, I was going to. Um, Michael Pittman Jr., we already kind of touched on him a little bit, but. Uh, he's the potential league winner for me because I think he has this year's AJ Brown written all over him. Like the way that Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Darius Slayton, like these young receivers last year, the way that they were able to like kind of show themselves was lack of like lack of uh, competing targets in the offense. Like if you think of AJ Brown's situation, we had Corey Davis there, but we were still waiting for him to do it. If you think of Terry McLaurin's situation, there was absolutely no one in his offense that was going to compete with him for targets. Even DK Metcalf, it was Tyler Lockett and nobody else. Like uh, Michael Pittman Jr. walks into a situation where it is T.Y. Hilton and nobody else. And as I mentioned with T.Y. Hilton, he has a, a trouble staying healthy recently. So there's 80 targets up for grabs at the wide receiver position in terms of vacated production. And then 58 more as well as a major red zone threat gone in Eric Ebron. So my comparison for uh, Michael Pittman coming out of school was his new quarterback's former teammate. It was Mike Williams. I thought – uh, Michael Pittman Jr., the way he plays is a very above-the-rim style, and that meshes well with the quarterback he has in Phillip Rivers. And the coaching staff and front office won't shut the hell up about Michael Pittman. They keep talking about him. They keep, and I've said this before, when you hear the same narrative over and over again from coaching staffs and front offices, it means they really believe in the guy. He's really showing them something. It's not them just saying, oh, yeah, we like his progress. He's progressing well. Like, no, they're like, Michael Pittman Jr. is like, is impressing the shit out of us. It's basically all that's coming out of Colts camp and they literally haven't even seen him play yet like they're just talking about his college tape so as training camps start to ramp up and they actually get some on-field work going I expect Michael Pittman Jr.'s ADP to rise like crazy because I think they're just gonna keep talking about him and with rookie receivers I, as I mentioned with the other guys there's two things that allow them to produce early it's and both of them are in Pittman's favor right now usually it's experience meaning like Guys like A.J. Brown were – we knew A.J. Brown was good for a long time. He wasn't just like a one-year breakout guy in college. Like, he was a productive receiver for a couple of years. And Pittman's uh, other thing is lack of uh, uh, receiving weapons in the offense, as I mentioned before. So, um, 
as I mentioned, Pittman, like Phillip Rivers is not the greatest quarterback in the world, but I do think a large part of his downfall last year was as a result of his offensive line. He definitely will not have that problem in Indianapolis. Yeah, honestly, uh, if Pittman would have landed on almost any other team in the league, I probably wouldn't have really liked him this year. I think he like hugely underperformed his potential in college up until the final year when he finally like broke out huge. But like Michael Pittman was being talked about like four years ago in Debbie and he just kept like playing like shit basically. Uh, so him landing though, in like the perfect spot, the Colts are the perfect team for him early second round draft capital. Uh, I've, I've come around on Michael Pittman, but yeah, I think it, I think the perfect storm had to hit and luckily for him, it did. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, if you want to get into your bounce back player, I, I'm going to disagree with you on this one, but I, I do understand the logic behind it. Yeah. I mean, it's gross, dude. I didn't want to pick this guy, but I just, I feel like, I feel like I just kind of have to almost. So it's David Johnson. I feel like this is going to be the post, post, post type sleeper uh, potential. You know, honestly, I, every time I've, I've drafted him in a couple of best ball leagues, every time I do, I feel disgusting about it. Uh, I've looked over the numbers. He was atrocious last year. You know, yards per carry doesn't matter, but like 3.7 yards per carry. Kenyon Drake came in and would smash, you know. Like, I mean, David Johnson, the only thing he had going for him last year is he was actually a better receiver than Kenyon Drake. His overall efficiency was better. When he was catching the ball, he did more with it than Kenyon Drake. So that was kind of like my one, okay, maybe he can do this. And as I look at the Houston Texans offense, I mean, they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. I like Will Fuller, like Randall Cobb, uh, Brandon Cooks. Like, even though I like Brandon Cooks, it's kind of just like, who knows what's going to happen with this offense. So I'm just banking on the fact that I hope that they use David Johnson out of the slot like they did a few years ago, that he catches a lot of passes, and that maybe he can have some resemblance of his old self. Uh, as I look over everything, like with this division, he's just the main person. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe he can bounce back. And if he does, I think he'll crush. I really do. Yeah, and I just realized he's the only Texan on this list that we did. <laughs> didn't talk about the yeah. Texans much. But um, David Johnson, to me, is like – he's in the same situation that I find Austin Eckler in. Like everyone being like, oh, like he doesn't check down as much, like talking about Tyrod Taylor. But the thing is, it's actually true about Deshaun Watson. So that's why I don't like – David Johnson plus Duke Johnson scares the shit out of me too. If Duke Johnson were to go down, I would definitely be a lot more in on David Johnson because I do think he is still a competent receiving back. Like he's definitely, he was very good at it the first like seven or eight weeks of the season in Arizona last year. So I don't hate the bounce back pick. It's just not someone I want to invest myself in because I've done it the last couple of years and it's bit me in the ass. And I just think the dude is washed from a running perspective. So, um, Philip Rivers is actually my bounce back. And the only reason he's my bounce back is because he's going so late. If he was going where he normally goes, I definitely would not be talking about him. But he was just objectively bad last year. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. He just was bad. Like, he wasn't good. He could be washed, but he literally threw 32 touchdowns in 2018. And there's a chance his struggles last year were just a result of the line being worse and a couple other factors like Melvin Gordon's holdout and all this shit. So per PFF, Rivers had 2.48 seconds average time to throw, which ranked bottom eighth in the NFL. Um, 2.54 seconds in the pocket, which is important for Phillip Rivers because he literally can't move. Um, and that was fourth from last. And then he also had 3.16 time to sack, which was bottom 10. So the point of that being is that he didn't have time to throw last year. And yes, he had good weapons and they like, can separate and all that stuff. But 
when you're a, an immobile quarterback like Phillip Rivers, you need time. And the Colts offensive line ranked top five in all of these categories, which is no one, like the surprise of nobody because their offensive line is fucking stellar as hell. His weapons are worse than they were in, in Los Angeles. I understand that, but he needs protection as an, as, a, as an immobile quarterback at his advanced age, and Indy can provide that for him. Plus, he's literally dirt cheap. He is, like, free as hell. He is a great QB3 in a super flex league, and he's also a good streamer because his schedule is very favorable at the beginning of the year. So I'm not saying go out and draft Phillip Rivers in a one-quarterback league and think he's going to be your quarterback the whole year. No. You can use him as a streamer, though, early on in the season if you want to draft like a guy like Daniel Jones and you know his schedule is shitty at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I like the Phillip Rivers call. And like you said, it's all a cost-based thing. And, yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's kind of in that range of where I'm going to take a quarterback. So Phillip Rivers is a guy that I like this year. I'm with you on that. For sure. Um, if you guys enjoyed this video, make sure you guys smash the like button. Uh, leave a comment down below if you want to get mad at us for not talking about the Texans as much. I, I talk about the Texans a lot, so – I think I, I have you covered from that perspective because I love their passing game. But, uh, uh, yeah, leave a comment. If you're new to the channel, please hit the subscribe button. We're posting content daily. We're coming at you every which way we can, thinking of new and interesting ways to approach fantasy football. Um, in the description uh, box, you'll see a link that says join the Discord. Make sure you hit that. We're always talking fantasy in there. And also says get the draft guide. It's the best value you're going to find out there. It's a lot of work that was put into it, and it's literally the price of a Starbucks coffee. So, um, without further ado, guys, uh, thanks for listening and enjoy your Tuesday.